Welcome to Speaking of Travel with Marilyn Ball. Sit back and be carried away to places around the world and right here in our own backyard. No passport required. Hi, this is Marilyn Ball, and you're listening to Speaking of Travel right here on News Radio 570 WWNC 880 and 92.9 The Revolution. And be sure to visit the Speaking of Travel website, speakingoftravel.net, and join the Speaking of Travel Travel Club. There's going to be a lot in store coming up when you're part of the Travel Club. So remember, speakingoftravel.net. Well, I'm excited that the Asheville Airport, right? Right here in Asheville, North Carolina, is getting ready to open their new $22 million parking deck. It's going to have 1,305 spaces and a total of 400,000 square feet. I mean, this parking deck is going to be awesome, and it's going to make your travels to and from Asheville so much easier in the future. Well, I am excited today that we're continuing our Speaking of Travel Climate Listening Project series right here with Dana Ruggiero and some other special guests. So today we're going to be traveling across the United States of America to find out more about climate change, resilient agriculture, and agritourism. Welcome to the show, Dana. So glad to have you here today. Thank you so much, Marilyn. I love our series and I love speaking of travel. So thank you so much for having me on. Well, it's awesome. And with us today, a special guest that we're going to be talking to. Why don't you go ahead and introduce Laura? One of my favorite Climate Listening Project partners is Laura Lenick. She's the author of Resilient Agriculture, a book featuring farmers from across the United States. And we partnered on a Cultivating Resilience series where we've been listening to farmers and sharing their stories through film. Welcome, Laura. Well, good morning, Marilyn and Dana. Good to speak to you. I am in beautiful, sunny Albuquerque, New Mexico. That sounds uh, lovely. Where I'm attending the Quibera Conference, which is a gathering of resilient farmers and ranchers. Nice. Well, I have questions about this because, Dana, you and I and uh, the guests that we've had on our previous podcast and, and show talk about climate change, travel, tourism, what it's doing uh, for us uh, as human beings on this planet and how that's all starting to change. But today we're going to be talking about how climate change is impacting America's beautiful farmlands and why it's so important for scientists and farmers and consumers to all work together to cultivate resilience. Give us a little idea of what that even means. One of my favorite farms that Laura and I visited on the Cultivating Resilience Tour is Will Harris's farm. He's in Georgia, and he has been revitalizing his community. He has beautiful cabins there, and we stayed right on the farm and had an opportunity to see so many diverse species that he has there. He's revitalizing the soil, and Laura has taught me so much about what it means to be a resilient farmer and how that is good for communities, that's good for the beauty, the travel, the the things that people want to go and see and enjoy across America. And so Laura and I had the best time there at Wells Farm, didn't we, Laura? We sure did. It was it was great to have a chance to actually stay on the farm and be a part of that landscape. 
But the other part of that visit that really stood out to me was was how he is cultivating community there in that little town of Boston, which had become a ghost town, like a lot of towns, uh, little rural towns across America. Um, jobs left, people left, and uh, uh, as, as agriculture has declined in this country. And what we I, we saw in many places that we visited during doing the Cultivating Resilience series was that these farms are becoming the beginnings of, of regenerating community, regenerating connections between people, between people and land, between traditions in, in a, a local area. And the story of Will Harris and Bluffton, I think, is a beautiful story um, that really shows how once agriculture, once you begin to grow food in a way that regenerates the landscape from that, the community can be regenerated. Yes. And Will's farm is called White Oak Pastures. It's so beautiful. <clears throat> and he he actually came from generations of conventional farming, right, Laura? He he was a fifth. He's a fifth generation South Georgia farmer. Yeah, um, his family started farming just before the Civil War in the same place. So he is really rooted in that community. And some things that you're seeing across America now with like the monoculture or the conventional farming, it is a depletion of communities. Maryland, it's it's. It's not, you know, like what Will has done there really is beautiful. And can people go and visit this farm? Um, well, yes, he has. He has. Uh, they are doing a number of different sorts of enterprises to invite the public to the farm. He has a farm store. Um, and, and many of the things that, that Will is doing, you can see at, in farms, these um, sustainable farmers or regenerative farmers all across the country are doing, which is to bring people back to the farm, to, to have an opportunity to engage with the land, with the animals, uh, to enjoy foods that are produced on that farm. And in Will's case, he's also um, has some cabins that you can uh, rent out and actually stay there. Oh, that as sounds well. lovely. Oh, yeah, we yeah. stayed there when I th- it was like in the spring, and there was babies being born. We saw little lambs, <laughs> and um, the cabins are right on the lake. It was so nice. Which you can fish. Yes. Yeah. Oh, lovely. There. So yep. when you talk about agritourism and resilient farming. Give us an idea of what that even means for people who might not be aware of that new jargon. That new jargon that, well, agritourism, that just really means um, bringing consumers back to the farm and back into agricultural landscapes and giving them a chance to reconnect with how their food is grown, where their food is grown, and the, the sort of the traditional stories and meaning in, in landscapes um, that relate to food and agriculture. And there are many different kinds of agritourism. <clears throat> um, you can stay on a farm, do, do sort of a farm visit and a farm stay. Some other examples that I know occur right there in the Asheville region, you, can, you maybe will just take your kids out for a day to um, do a corn maze, for example, in the in the um, autumn. We often have those kind of harvest corn mazes. Um, Another way that you can enjoy a farm visit would be to do 
do a dinner, do some sort of a dinner on the farm. And that's actually very popular all around the country, particularly for these farms that are farms and ranches that are using resilient agriculture practices. So what is resilient agriculture? Very simply, it is an ecological approach to growing food. And um, we're using nature's patterns in a farm landscape to um, regenerate soil, regenerate environmental health. And then what my work in Brazilian agriculture has, has shown me is that in that regeneration of the landscape, we are regenerating community as well. Mm. That is all so awesome. And when we come back from the break, I want to pick up right there and talk more about, um, well, Laura, I'd love to talk more about your book and how you compiled that uh all of that. And also, I'd love to talk to you both about your series and what that's all about. So thank you so much, Laura, for being on the show. And of course, Dana, right here in the studio. It's always so great to have you talk about these important issues that are coming up um, in our in our world. It's not it's not just something that we're looking at locally or regionally or nationally anymore. It's something that we have to look at from a big big global scope. Yes, thank you. Great. Yep. yep, thank you. You bet. Well, this is Marilyn Ball. You're listening to Speaking of Travel. And again, I wanted to mention that um, Asheville, North Carolina right now is just in such a beautiful, beautiful um, season. And this would be a great opportunity for you to come on over, look for a place, check out my buddies over at Appalachian Realty. That's AppalachianRealty.com. Uh, they are here to help find you the perfect bungalow or farm. Speaking of farms, this might be your time to get into the farm industry, right? So stay tuned. We'll be back right after the break. With 50 flights every day to and from cities like Atlanta, Charlotte, and Chicago, you can fly to hundreds of worldwide destinations with one easy connection. Choose Allegiant, American, Delta, or United right here from Asheville Regional Airport. And when you fly home, you're home. Asheville Regional Airport. Take the easy way out. People call Asheville home for all different reasons, and they all mean a better quality of living that reflects their very own uniqueness. Whether you're looking for a funky loft in downtown Asheville, an arts and crafts bungalow in a walkable community, or a small farm to create your own artistic legacy, Appalachian Realty Associates will help you find properties as unique as you. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office on Arlington Street right near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. Your business trip shouldn't start with a road trip. Hundreds of global destinations are just one connection away. Starting at Asheville Regional Airport. Fly Allegiant, American, Delta, and United. Asheville Regional Airport, your local connection to the world. Visit flyavl.com to plan your next trip. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. Let 
Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball. You're listening right here on News Radio 570 WWNC 880 and 92.9 The Revolution. And be sure to visit speakingoftravel.net. There you'll find lots of past podcasts, lovely photos, some really great travel tips. We have a whole new segment on speakingoftravel.net, travel tips by Tina Kinsey from the Asheville Regional Airport. She's going to be able to really help you get some better ideas on how to travel. And when you're traveling in and out of Asheville, you can fly right in and right out of the Asheville Regional Airport so that when you're home, you're home. There's no road trip involved. And here we are speaking about farms. Western North Carolina has some of the most amazing farms in the whole country. And here to talk about sustainable tourism, agritourism, resilience tourism, uh, farming, actually, is Dana Ruggiero and her guest and our guest, Laura Lennick, speaking to us from Albuquerque, New Mexico today. Welcome back, both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, this conversation is really moving me because we know that cultivating farms, being able to bring people back to a sense of community is so critically important. And what we were talking about before the break, uh, we were speaking about Will and his farm down in Georgia. But Laura, you, you've written a book. Tell us about your book. Sure. Um, I got started on the journey to the book, my book, Resilient Agriculture, um, Cultivating Food Systems for a Changing Climate, um, back a few years ago when I discovered through some work I was doing with the USDA that there were no official reports um, on how farmers and ranchers in the U.S. were experiencing climate change. And I was determined when I learned that, that that I was going to bring the farmers, the, the voice of uh, rural America into the climate change discussions. And I little did I know what I was embarking on, but by the end of the project, um, I had interviewed, uh, very in-depth interviews with 27 award-winning sustainable farmers and ranchers located all across the country. Um, I asked them questions uh, about whether or not they had seen any changes in weather and if they had, how they were adapting. And probably the most interesting question uh, in retrospect was I also asked them how did they think about the resources under their management, their crops, their livestock, their markets, um, their equipment, their buildings, and their landscape in general, how did they think about those assets when they were trying to manage to reduce damages from more variable weather and extremes? So that was the resilience question. How are they managing for resilience to changes in weather? Um, It was a fascinating journey. I uh, learned a lot about resilience, about sustainability, and the things that the, the Several of the overall messages from the work with these farmers and ranchers had to do with the importance of of environmental quality, in particular soil quality on their on their farms and their ranches, and how important that was to maintain resilience to changes in weather. Um, 
another really important part of the resilience management on these farms and ranches was that their markets, having very diversified markets and having marketing that connected the, the farmers and ranchers to consumers. So rebuilding those connections um, in the community, in the greater regional community, and directly with the folks that were enjoying their products. Um, so that's basically the the story about resilient agriculture. It took me all over the country um, and taught me a lot about how diverse and how beautiful agriculture is expressed in different parts of the country. And then you and Dana together worked on the Climate Listening Project Cultivating Resilient Series. So, Dana, why don't you talk a little bit about that and how you and Laura combined your resources and collaborated on these projects? You know, when I started the listening project, I was, you know, following these different things that connect people, the things we love, the things we need. And of course, food is something that that we all need. And it's something that connects us to as we come around the table. Um, Laura's book is very much it's a listening project. You know, she really took the time with these farmers to hear their stories and be able to share them with the world. And so we traveled to the farmers in the southeast region of her book first and and we went to a farmer, uh, Maple Spring Gardens in North Carolina. We went to Happy Cow Creamery in South Carolina. And we went to White Oak Pastures in Georgia. And then we traveled across the country to Montana to see uh, Bob Quinn's organic farm. And all of these were very, very different from growing wheat to um, different, you know, free range eggs and, you know, chickens that we love so much to the um, grass-fed cows, um, those are at White Oak Pastures, to the milk and the dairy products from the um, Happy Cow Creamery, which I fell in love with the chocolate milk there. They do school groups. It's just a beautiful place to go. And then also at Maple Spring Gardens, the vegetables, oh my goodness, all the, you know, so many diverse crops of vegetables um, that Ken Dawson, who I fell in love with, is is farming out there. And I did, you know, Laura knows I fall in love with everybody that I interview and Bob Quinn and these amazing, inspiring individuals um, that are not only, you know, creating this resilience there on their farm, but in their communities, as we've talked about. And we really tried to show um, the risks that they've taken and, you know, the hope that they are creating through this. Well, and hope is the word. I mean, that is the word of the day is... Given the uh, scope of the world and the, the climate and the globe today, hope is what we all need. And to be able to be on the ground, in the fields, talking to the people who are resilient, who are making these change, changes happen, who are rebuilding community, what you were saying about Will and how many generations he has had on this, you know, his family has had on this same piece of property, the same farm, that it keeps going generation after generation, that gives that gives us hope. And Laura has been taking these films on the road, showing them at USDA meetings, showing them at colleges and universities. And so, Laura, I would lo- like, where have you been? Where's Laura? Where's- <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm here. Where I, in the world I, I, have you gone? 
I had two thoughts just about the Cultivating Resilience series just to, to say as, as I was listening to you, which I always love to listen to you describe these farms because you give it such a different perspective from my own. And I think the teamwork that we did in that series is, is just fabulous because mm. of the, the different, what we brought, what we each brought to that work. Um, one of the things that I remember very, very strongly was when Will Harris said, Two uh, percent of us are farmers. A hundred percent of us are eaters. Yes. We are all affected by climate change. I think that is such a beautiful expression of the connections, the connections between in the, within the food system, uh, from the farm to the plate. Uh, and then the other thing I, I remember from Ken Dawson um, was that he said one of the quotes that really stood out to me was in the in the video was he said we're all in this together mm-hmm. we're all in this together and both of these are such strong expressions of an idea that that is um, in climate change adaptation that is is really important which is that we really do have to work together in order to create more resilient climate ready communities and I I just I found it so fascinating that these farm already get this yeah. well and that they're, they're teaching us you know that the need for community absolutely and when we come back from the break over the next uh, few minutes I want to talk more about that and really talk more about community and how we are building community so Laura thank you so much for being with us on the show today from talking to us from out in New Mexico and Dana thank you so much for being here in the studio and keeping this series going it's it's just so important thank you Marilyn I love speaking of travel well we are going to be back right after the break with Laura and Dana so stay tuned Hi, this is Tina Kinsey with Asheville Regional Airport, and I have a travel tip for you today. We get questions all the time. How soon should I arrive at the airport before my flight? The answer to that is, in general, you should allow two hours leeway between your arrival at the airport and your departure time. So why two hours? It is your responsibility as a traveler to be checked in and ready to go when it is time for your flight to depart. So you need to allot for things like traffic on the way to the airport, time to park, time to check in, check your bag. Uh, You don't know what type of flight schedules will be happening at the time you arrive, so there could be many, many people at the airport attempting to check in and go through security at the same time. So lines could potentially be long. But don't worry, there is plenty to do in the airport if you arrive and you have some time to spare. You can always grab a bite to eat, something to drink at the bar, or just sit at a business center and quietly get some work done. Just remember, arrive two hours before your flight. People call Asheville home for all different reasons, and they all mean a better quality of living that reflects their very own uniqueness. Whether you're looking for a funky loft in downtown Asheville, an arts and crafts bungalow in a walkable community, or a small farm to create your own artistic legacy, Appalachian Realty Associates will help you find properties as unique as you. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office 
office on Arlington Street, right near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. Latino buying power is huge and rising fast. If you want to tap into this new market, then connect by advertising in Ola Carolina magazine. This glossy Spanish-language magazine is published monthly and reaches over 70,000 Spanish-speaking residents in western North Carolina. Ola Carolina magazine is about much more than just speaking Spanish. It's about Latino culture. Visit OlaCarolina.com and transform how you attract in Engage and connect with Latino customers. Blue Ridge Motorcycling Magazine is a quarterly guide to the best rides and most interesting riders. Available in newsstands and at BlueRidgeMotorcyclingMagazine.com. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. And let me see what spring is like on Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. This is Marilyn Ball, your host. You're listening right here on News Radio 570 WWNC 880 and 92.9 The Revolution. Well, it's that time again. It is tailgating down south time with Doc Lawrence. And Doc is here talking to us from Louisville. Hey, Doc, how's it going down there? Marilyn, the only thing missing here in Louisville is you and that wonderful audience that you have. This is this is the nearest you could get to being in the Deep South and in the Midwest. Louisville combines the best of both worlds. Of course, the world knows this is the home of the Kentucky Derby. We got in last night and checked in at the luxurious and historic Silback Hotel. Now, the Silback is where the great Gatsby and Daisy Buchanan uh, rendezvoused. And I actually stayed in the room where legend has it, whether it's true or not, who knows and who cares, that they had their first twist. That's an inspiration to have a good time here. Louisville is a eaten town, I call it. So is New Orleans. Uh, so is Asheville. So is Atlanta. But this place is a little bit different. Uh, this morning, I had what they call the Harry Truman breakfast. That's eggs, rye toast, some uh hash browns, and a glass of bourbon. <laughs> that's, that's how folks live here. And if it was good enough for old Harry, it's sure enough good enough for old Doc. Uh, Louisville is loaded with the arts. There are galleries everywhere, museums everywhere. The uh, Muhammad Ali Museum is here. Uh, the uh, Baseball Bat Museum is here, Louisville Sluggers. Uh, we're on the Ohio River right now looking at the Great steamboats, these wonderful, luxurious boats that still travel the Ohio to the Mississippi to New Orleans and back. And don't you want to be on one of these things with Doc today? But first, we've got to do a little tailgating. Uh, tailgating here means bourbon. Uh, Louisville is the bourbon center of the planet. You can't run out of enough to go to. You're going to run out of time. Uh, Old Fitzgerald, Evan Williams, Kentucky Peerless. These are just a handful of the, the, the distilleries that are here. Uh, luxury, luxury restaurants galore. Maryland, I'm going to weigh 500 pounds when I leave this place. I'm, I'm, I'm worried. Uh, dinner after the game today at the Oak Room. Uh, 
maybe the best wrestler in the United States. Who knows? In my opinion, it certainly qualifies. Jack Fries, before we go back home tomorrow, across the street from the Kentucky Derby, of course. Proof on Maine if we have time. But this is an Eaton town. This is an arts town. Sidewalks, you can walk everywhere, uh, which is something I love to do. Walk, walk off all that bourbon and all that food I've been eating. There are thousands of people here today for the big game of Syracuse. Louisville is a great sports center. Uh, it combines the best of all facets of Kentucky culture. And it's the, the accents here are Southern. And did you know this is Diane Sawyer's hometown, George Clooney's hometown, his aunt Rosemary Clooney, and Muhammad Ali's hometown. He's buried here. We'll go by the champ's grave and lay some flowers before we leave. Why not? We should do it. He's a great man. Uh, the you, you run out of things to do when you your imagination is dead. Ours is never dead. We're here to enjoy this great city, uh, this gateway to the Midwest in, in America, and this is a perfect place for the audience listening today to, speaking of travel, to visit. You're not going to go any place. You're going to have more fun than Louisville, 365 days a year. Marilyn, that's about all the time we have today. i got to get back to the bourbon, <laughs> and uh, I want to wish you the very best of, of the upcoming Thanksgiving holiday. And for this week's tailgating down south towards to, to Marilyn Ball and her fabulous show, Speaking of Travel, this is Doc Lawrence. Well, thank you, Doc. That is, I can't wait to go to Kentucky and to visit Louisville. It sounds wonderful. You have fun. Bye now. Well, here we are. That was Doc Lawrence, and now we're back here with Dana Ruggiero and Laura Lennick talking about farms and sustainable tourism, agritourism. Kentucky, have you ever been there? I filmed a climate listening project video there this year at a church in a little town in between Lexington and Louisville called Midway. Um, And that video was distributed to 4,000 churches across the country as an example of what churches can do to be more climate Resilient. Wow, there's so much resilience going on in all kinds of industries and um, the way that we live our lives. It, it just is more and more about being able to create sustainability, create resiliency, and really be able to bring back and create community. And it sounds like that's what you and Laura have been doing on your series as you've been traveling around the country, and Laura specifically around the world. Well, both of you around the world, really. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, yeah. And the reason that resilience is is, is kind of rising as, as, as a new idea, and you're seeing it in all all across the, uh, our communities and different sectors of business, is is because of climate change. Climate change is bringing new uncertainties, new kinds of uncertainties, and uh, more risk associated with all sorts of things that we do, things that cities are doing, city, what farmers are doing, and all kinds of businesses. And I like to think about um, resilience. The way resilience is different from sustainability is resilience t- speaks to being nimble, being able to to respond swiftly, being able to anticipate 
changes and being able to reduce risk from those changes, but also capture new opportunities as a result of change. So um, I think resilience is the underlying condition that we need to be cultivating in our communities in order to sustain our communities over time. Yes. And and part of, so, you know, speaking to uh, the traveling that Dana and I have been doing, um, in particular, the Cultivating Resilience series, those videos have been so useful as I have traveled across the U.S. and also in Europe to share some of these ideas about resilience and about the importance of cultivating community, rebuilding um, and regenerating social capital and human capital. It's these kinds of resources that are going to serve us the best as we begin to develop resilience and learn how to adapt to climate change. Um, I have, I, I probably the peak uh, experience with cultivating resilience was presenting part of the video at the Paris Climate Talks in uh, 2015. Um, but I have shown those videos in, I was on a six-week tour in the U.K. that it also included a stop in Stockholm in Sweden. Um, I've been all over the U.S. with those videos, and they are so, there's such a powerful way into getting people to begin talking about these issues. Um, I remember when Dana first approached me about doing the series, and and she wanted to do a video, and that sounded great to me. And then she said, there'll be about two or three minutes. And I thought, <laughs> that's crazy. That's just crazy. How can, you, how can you even begin to tell this story in such a short video? And, you know, she, she knows how to do it. And what I have learned in working with her is how powerful a beautiful uh, visual story can be to opening people up to begin to think about alternatives and to to um, feel hope, feel power that they actually have a, a, the ability to change the path, to change the course of their own lives and, and also their community. Um, so these videos have been incredibly useful in that way. And I've sh I show them to groups of consumers. I show them to farmers and ranchers. And the, um, the power of the message coming directly from these farmers and the, the sophistication in their thinking. Well, Laura, hold that resilience. thought. I want to hear more about their thinking and the resilience, but we have to go to a break. So thank you so much for being on the show today. And Dana, when we come back, let's just pick up right there. Love it. Love it. Great, thanks. You bet. Thank you. This is Marilyn Baugh. You're listening to Speaking of Travel. I'm here with Laura and Dana, and we'll be back right after this break. Your business trip shouldn't start with a road trip. Hundreds of global destinations are just one connection away. Starting at Asheville Regional Airport, fly Allegiant, American, Delta, and United. Asheville Regional Airport, your local connection to the world. Visit flyavl.com to plan your next trip. 
People call Asheville home for all different reasons, and they all mean a better quality of living that reflects their very own uniqueness. Whether you're looking for a funky loft in downtown Asheville, an arts and crafts bungalow in a walkable community, or a small farm to create your own artistic legacy, Appalachian Realty Associates will help you find properties as unique as you. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office office on Arlington Street, right near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. With 50 flights every day to and from cities like Atlanta, Charlotte, and Chicago, you can fly to hundreds of worldwide destinations with one easy connection. Choose Allegiant, American, Delta, or United right here from Asheville Regional Airport. And when you fly home, you're home. Asheville Regional Airport. Take the easy way out. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars and let me see what spring is like on Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball, and you're listening right here on News Radio 570 WWNC 880 and 92.9 The Revolution. And be sure to visit the Speaking of Travel website, speakingoftravel.net. And there you'll find past podcasts and travel tips, and you can join the Speaking of Travel Travel Club. That newsletter is getting ready to go out any day, and it's got lots of information uh, for the travelers for people who are dreaming of travel. There's just so much around travel. And here today we're talking about travel and we're talking about resilience and agritourism and how to sustain our planet, really, when you get right down to it, uh, so that we, all of us, have that opportunity to continue to visit and learn and experience other cultures and other 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 worlds. Other, it's otherworldly when you go out there. And here with me is Dana Ruggiero uh, from the Climate Listening Project. And we've got Laura Lenick on the line from New Mexico, who's there for a conference. Laura, thank you so much, both of you, uh, for being on the show today. And before the break, Laura, we were talking about uh, you were talking about really bringing this community together, the work that you're doing with Dana. Um, and I know you're coming from a scientist point of view. That's your background. And you've been working here with Dana, who's who's just such a um, – well, she's an emotional mess right now because she's just, like, crying. She's always, having always. such a good time. If I, could, if I could jump in. Yes. There. I mean, the way I would describe Dana is that she brings – she finds a way to bring the heart into this work, and and you know I have I have learned so much from her in terms of how important that heart is. I am a scientist; it's it's how I approach the 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 work on my book, and um, it, it was it was about the facts and about developing themes around resilience and and how farmers and ranchers think about resilience. But but when I began working with um, Dana, what I began to understand is that really this is about the heart, that that's the way into helping people begin to think about how we might do things differently in food and agriculture in order to improve our communities. Mm. <laughs> and Dana, you have some, uh, you know, you've been doing this for quite some time now, and you've been out in the world uh, in lots of different um, uh, uh, 
roles, let's say. I mean, it's still you, your listening project, your climate listening project, but it's kind of taken off into some other areas over time. Yeah, I've been following these different connectors, like food being such an important one. And it's about these things that we love, these things that we need, the things that connect us in a world that may seem, you know, very divided at times. And even in our own communities, there, you know, when it gets down to it, when you listen to somebody's story, which is what I do when I go on the road, you know, you can't help but like, like I said earlier, you know, to, you can't hate somebody when you've really heard their story. Um, you you kind of see those things that you have in common. You see their heart, you know, and when they share their story with you and they trust me with their story, it you know, I share these videos and these films and I hope that people will listen as well. So the Climate Listening Project is not just me listening, but it's me sharing these stories that they're trusting me with so that others will listen and hopefully start these climate conversations and um, accelerate these conversations in their community. And these videos can be a tool. So, yes, we. Uh, I just got back from Belize where last year I had traveled to film following a migratory bird from North Carolina to Belize. The Audubon Society learned for the first time where this bird might migrates. And it's one of the most beloved songbirds on the East Coast. So no matter who you are, you know, whatever political affiliation or background, whatever, everybody looks forward to this beautiful flute-like sound in the springtime every year. And unfortunately, these birds are disappearing. And so I followed that migration to Belize, made a film about it with um, Andrea Desky, a local filmmaker um, here in Asheville. And we I just went back to Belize this weekend and we won. We won the best short documentary at the Belize International Film Festival. So I look forward to continuing our climate listening project. Speaking of travel series on the next episode, we'll have folks from the Audubon Society here and we're going to talk about the wood thrush and that connection. Well, now you're making me an emotional <laughs> mess over here because I just love the wood thrush. Hi, people do. There you go. There you go. It's the heart piece. It is the heart, the heart yes. piece. And yep. it brings it all together with what Lara's doing and what Dana's doing and, and what we can do. Let's talk a little bit about what we can do uh, as, a, as a, a culture, as a community to to begin to work together around these types of um, concerns. You know, I'll say something really quick, Laura, and then I'd love for you to answer that. But, you know, in the Wood Thrush Connection, I also feature a farmer and it is... It's a farm that is very close to my heart. It's a farm in Belize that grows cacao for chocolate, which I love and so many people love. But, you know, buying sustainable, resilient chocolate, fair trade chocolate, I know that this farmer is receiving the support that they need um, to plant shade trees. Cacao is a shade uh, plant. And so, you know, they're planting all of these amazing fruit trees and shade trees and inviting the birds into their properties. And so you're seeing less of that monoculture and more of these diverse forests that are also growing delicious chocolate. <laughs> I, I think I think we need to do a chocolate cultivating resilient. Uh, yes, piece. please. That's what I think. Well, <laughs> count me in I, on I that. Help you with that. I, yeah, I could help you with that data if you want. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, and I would answer the question. I mean, Dana answered the question really well. I think I think the, that that consumers, uh, folks that like to travel, folks that appreciate good food, 
um, who like to, to have a taste of place um, in, in their travels, um, they have a big role to play in this. I don't think it's all consumer-driven, but I do think that, that um, conscious con- consumers, awake consumers, can, um, as, as well as they can, use their dollars to, um, to build a better world, to help support these farmers yes. and food businesses that are using resilience practices. Um, And and those are basically, you can think of them as nature-based practices. Mm. So what Dana just said is that they're changing the way they're growing cacao to invite the birds in. And we know that agricultural landscapes can be much, much more than just food-producing landscapes. They can provide all kinds of benefits to our communities. So consumers can really help by supporting um, the farmers directly, but also by supporting changes in policies so they can get involved in maybe with a food policy council in their area mm. to begin to to support farmers and food businesses who are using these kinds of practices. And even though we've been all around the world, right here in Asheville, North Carolina, people could fly right into the Asheville Regional Airport and go to places like Hickory Nut Gap Farm and Franny's Farm and see these. Um, we, I mean, we have so many farmers markets here and farm to table restaurants. And, you know, it's it's that's why I love Asheville. It is true. Yeah. And yeah. There's but just it, and also there town, uh, cities all over the the US are doing this as well. You know, this is this is not just a Nashville thing. Yeah. Um, and that's what makes it so, so special. Yes. And so wherever wherever you go, um whatever kind of traveling you're doing, um the other thing I would say to to answer your question directly Marilyn is when you travel, if you are interested in in cultivating resilience, Learn a little bit when you travel about the ecosystems that you are, are traveling to. What, what is that landscape? What kinds of trees? What kinds of wildlife? What sorts of farms? Um, what are some of the local food traditions? Yes. So you can, you can begin to connect uh, with the local ecosystems. And I think that would be, I think it'd be interesting. Uh, I find it fun to try local foods and local food traditions when I'm traveling. And it also, again, strength begins to strengthen that connection and understanding um, between um, an eater and the landscape that provides the food that we all enjoy. Well, what is the best way that we can find out more? You can see our videos that Laura and I have made in the Cultivating Climate Resilient Climate Listening Project series. Um, go into Facebook, um, Climate Listening Project, and also Resilient Agriculture on Facebook. And also you can visit my website at climatelisteningproject.org. What about you, Laura? And you can visit my website. Um, it's cultivatingresilience.com. And, and see some videos and some other work that I've done and, and uh, get connected into some of these ideas of um, learning more about the food ways that awesome. you're eating from. Thank you both so much Thank for being you. here on the show today. Thank you. I feel like Great we could do a whole nother show just on this. I love Laura. I do too. We love you, Laura and Dana. <laughs> well, thank thank you. you. Well, listen, you guys go out and have a wonderful week. You know, start thinking about what Laura and Dana were talking about today. Try some new foods. Go to a tailgate market. Buy some fresh vegetables. But remember, when you go out into the world, Don't postpone joy. 